0: And welcome in DC Live Thursday episode of the show as we roll on towards South Carolina versus Florida this Saturday night, Williams-Price Stadium. I'm Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. As always, we are brought to you by our good buddy Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. He is the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network right over there across from Drear High School. Give Clint a shout, 803-771-6933. If you want more, more information, go to clinthammond.com. As you see right there on the screen, MLS number is 71597. Email address, chammon at mortgagenetwork.com. Again, 771-6933. You would think I would have that memorized by now, but I wanted to make sure I got it right. If you're in the market for a new home or you just want to maybe refinance, see what options you have out there to save you some money. Clint is your dude, so hit him up and uh, let him work you through a a process that he will make incredibly easy. Chris, what's up, man?
2: Man, another day, another busy day. Game game time right up on us. We'll be here before we know it. So just continuing to dive into Florida. Looking forward to talking with our guests today. Looking forward to chatting with Gamecock fans. We got Peter Hongwell and Richard Hewitt in earlier than anticipated today, beating some of the regulars. How about that? Yeah,
0: Peter and Richard getting in with a quickness. Um, already in our chat room there. Uh, y'all, I don't, I don't know where the rest of you are. I don't know what you're waiting on. Get get on in. Um, we will be joined shortly by Nick De La Torre from GatorsTerritory.com. Uh, Nick, nice enough to join us, and um, he'll be on momentarily. But, I, I mean, dude, I feel like this game – For for a South Carolina-Florida game, um, maybe doesn't quite have the juice some South Carolina-Florida games have had in the past. Um, That said, I feel like there's plenty to talk about with Nick today because it kind of, to me, goes a good bit beyond just this game because there's so – I mean, we talked about it yesterday – Um, there's so much going on in Gator Nation right now that we we may, we may learn, we may learn something today. We're going to learn today, even if it's not necessarily the most like sexy matchup this time between South Carolina and Florida. I'm, I'm curious to see, you know how it is, man. You, you, when you're like local media dialed in, you hear a lot of stuff. (laughs) So I'm curious to see among the things he can share uh, what what Nick's hearing there in Florida.
2: Yeah, there's been a lot of interesting stuff coming out. Man, we hit on some of it yesterday. I mean, just some of the stuff that's come out publicly uh, with Dan Mullen, some of the takes that have been given on recruiting down there in Gainesville, um, just some of the stuff you observe on the field. We hit on some of that yesterday and Heck, talked about that about as much as some of the South Carolina stuff, of course, bringing it all back to that matchup, but it is interesting. I mean, you always want to pay attention to what's going on at other places, and although Florida is still favored in this game, although I think Florida should be favored in this game because they are playing better than South Carolina, all things considered. They, I think, have a talent advantage on South Carolina going into this matchup and, and all those things. Um, it is kind of interesting down there in Gainesville. And so um, there, there's a little bit of drama, which always makes for some entertainment. Uh, so plenty of storylines like individually to dive in with both of these teams, you know, South Carolina, obviously it's year one of Shane Beamer. There's been tons of talk about the offense, Florida. You got Dan Mullen, even a perceived kind of hot seat type situation a little bit, probably not, but a little bit, there's some disenchantment there. And so you're right. While, the actual matchup itself doesn't have as much juice this year. Um, there's still some very interesting individual storylines, you know, with these two teams.
0: Y'all, y'all, hang tight with me here, trying to make sure we've got Nick's uh, link sent out so that he can get on in here. He uh, he just messaged me; he's trying to hop on right now. Um, there he is, right there, uh, Nick De La Torre from GatorsTerritory.com. Nick, uh, we appreciate you making the time in. We we were just talking, um, and, and by the way, welcome in. This is uh, your GC Live debut, I, I believe. So uh, we appreciate it, man. How are you doing today?
1: Doing well. I've I've gotten to talk to Chris in the past uh, at Gator Country, where I used to be. Uh, he and Andrew or Andrew introduced us, and he's helped us out a bunch. So uh, I think first time I've seen Chris, but a familiar voice. Um, it's all going well. I'm I'm heading up tomorrow and uh not looking forward to the cold weather. I don't know if it's cold for you guys, but it's going to be cold uh for a South Florida boy like me, for sure.
0: Yeah, it's it's cold for us too, man. And we're not used to it yet. It's actually been it's been very mild. Like it's it's felt great I I would say here recently and and apparently it's about to hit. So, to be ready. <laughs> Luckily though, um press box at South Carolina is enclosed. So, so was, you should be fine there. There
1: was one year, I think it was the uh Will Muschamp champ year where uh maybe 2013 when they had all the injuries, and Florida, I think, threw the ball four times before South Carolina got a lead, and they had like the top windows like open and it yeah. was freezing that night. And I'm looking up and I'm like, Can we close these? Because I'm like my fingers are frozen. I couldn't type anything. Not that anyone wanted to read, you know, what was happening that night, uh, at least from the gator side.
0: Yeah, definitely, man. So um uh, we, I'm sure we've written a lot of stuff that Gamecock fans have not wanted to read this year <laughs> as well. It, it's been, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. Both teams come in, um, you know, with, with four wins this year, but um, obviously Florida still a, a big favorite and Chris, Chris and I were talking maybe, maybe not necessarily, you know, this, this they match up a lot of times Carolina fans kind of get juiced up for the opportunity to, to play Florida. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's really like, a rivalry necessarily, but Carolina fans traditionally get, get fired up just for an opportunity to maybe knock off Florida this year. I'm not sure if this matchup has quite as much juice on this end, but uh, Chris and I were talking, there's plenty to talk about with what's going on in Florida right now, because it's <laughs> been uh, it, Florida has been in the news, so to speak. It, it's been kind of a, it's probably a good week for us to talk to you, man. What What has it been like there locally?
1: Um, It's, it's been hectic. Um. <laughs> Uh, my, my Twitter mentions have kind of been a war zone. Um, I think Florida fans are, are just really disappointed. And I think coming into the year um, on our podcast on Stadium and Gale, I was talking about if everything went perfectly for Florida, I could see them going 10 and 2. And I'm talking about getting the ball bounces your way. Um, perfect season. I thought 10 and 2 was the best Florida could do. Realistically, probably 9-3, and but Florida's teams always, or Dan Mullen's teams, have seemed to lose a game that I don't think they should have. If you go back to 2018, his first year, uh, they lose to Georgia and then compound that loss by losing to Missouri the next week. Um, In 2019, they they had a great year, 11-2. and I I don't think they had a loss like that. But then last year, 2020, you lose at LSU. Um, You shouldn't have lost to that team. This year, you lose to Kentucky at Kentucky that it's turned out they're, they're looking better, but uh, you know, then they get a loss last week to Mississippi state. And then again, you lose to LSU who had already fired their coach. So I think, you know, sitting right now at four and four, Florida should be probably a double digit favorite in their next four games. You look, if, if you, you win the games that Vegas thinks you're going to win, you're eight and four, you win a bowl game, you're nine and nine and four. And, and, you know, it's not as, You know, chicken little, the sky is falling as everything seems right now. Um, So I think what's happened at Florida is you have an angry fan base and a coach who isn't typically good in press conferences um, get asked about recruiting. And right now the perception is at Florida that you're not going to compete because you're not competing with Kirby Smart and with Nick Saban um, on the recruiting front. And you can be a top 10 class in the country and still be fourth or fifth in the SEC. So I think the the perspective at Florida is you need to be challenging Nick Saban and challenging Kirby Smart for recruits, and Florida's not doing that this class. Um, And and it certainly hurts that, at least in our rankings on rivals, Georgia's had the top class in the nation, I think, for the last five years. So there's a perceived talent gap. And um, when Florida's not recruiting and going 4-4, and I think you're going to see, you know, what we're seeing right now, which is kind of a a fan base boiling over a little bit.
2: Yeah. That's a good point too, about the recruiting rankings. It it kind of made me remember South Carolina, I think their highest ranked class in the rivals era was a 2007 class. And it was, uh, I think it was number six nationally or seven, something like that. And that was like fourth in the sec. I mean, that year, which was, which was insane. And so you typically do see a lot of the blue bloods recruit up to the top. Uh, But Nick, You know, I think one of the reasons maybe that has come up so much recruiting there, you know, Florida lost two of its, I guess, better commitments with uh, Julian Humphrey, Shamar James out of Alabama. And then, you know, Dan Mullen gets asked about it. What has what has been kind of the issue in recruiting there? Is it overblown by the fan base about how recruiting is going or is it just a little bit of the, you know, measuring against Alabama and Georgia like is it somewhere in the middle like how is the recruiting operation going down there at Florida
1: um I mean me being a baseball guy I was always you know taught you know things are never as good as they seem they're never as bad as they seem it's probably somewhere in the middle um I think the when Dan Mullen was hired people looked and and thought oh well they didn't recruit really well at Mississippi State and and I even made the excuse for them well it's hard to get kids to come to Starkville you're not going to go down to Miami and get a kid from, you know, from Opelika, or even a kid from St. Thomas Aquinas, where I went, um, to go to Starkville. If they have other options, if they have a Georgia offer, uh, uh, an Ohio State offer, Clemson, Alabama, you're not going to get them at Starkville. So I think myself and the fan base kind of wrote off the recruiting issues that, that were evident in, in, at Mississippi state and in Starkville and said, Oh, well, when you put a different logo on the chest, now you're at the university of Florida, you have more resources. You you have a more fertile recruiting ground in state. Um, You're the only sec team in the state, even though we talk about a big three with Florida state and Miami, you're the only team in the sec in that state. You should be able to recruit and, I think the first couple of years I I thought the mindset was still the same that the coaching staff, the majority of which were with Dan at Mississippi state, I thought they carried that mentality. And you saw a lot of kids. um, I mean, Dan's had a a ton of success. Nobody really wanted Dak Prescott. Nobody really wanted Nick Fitzgerald. I mean, they've gotten their share of blue chips for sure um, when they were at Mississippi state and they've gotten some, you know, five-star guys while at Florida. Um, But I think the, the mentality of we'll find guys who are three stars guys that we think can be good, not necessarily that the recruiting rankings or that, that rivals says is says are good. Um, and and we'll develop them. And, And I think that mentality, that mindset is really angered some people when, you know, you're not competing or you're not even finishing, you know, with a hat on the table, so to say, um, for some of these guys. And, um, to Dan's credit, you know, the recruiting, the the transfer portal has kind of changed recruiting and Florida's done a great job. Um, John Gernard. It it was, I think probably one of the first guys to, to really be um, in the portal and to make an impact. And and he was a great player for one year at Florida, Um, Van Jefferson, Trayvon Grimes. um, There's been a bunch of guys that Florida has gone out and get the portal, but I think fans view that as supplemental to recruiting. And, until florida you know like i said before until florida is beating out georgia georgia's really the measuring stick um uh for for people here in gainesville so until you're beating georgia out for those guys i don't know that fans will be happy and and listen they have two five-star running backs um that they got in the portal and lorenzo lingard and demarcus bowman neither of them are really playing right now not no fault of their own the guys ahead of them especially damian pierce are having great seasons so um, it remains to be seen what impact they'll have. But um, I, I don't know other than just landing, you know, more four-stars and five-stars. Right now, Georgia has more four- and five-stars committed to their class than Florida has total commitments. So I think that's, you know, a, a huge point that you can look at when, when you know, I get asked why are fans not happy with Florida's recruiting.
0: And uh, kind of keeping it right there with with the fan base, I mean, how – like, you, you see stuff out there where, you know, people want to say Dan Mullen may be on the hot seat. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, fans are unhappy right now. It is – is it at – I mean, is it really to that point? Like, is it – I mean, Florida did play in the SEC championship last year. I mean, mm-hmm. are, are the? but I feel like in sports these days, fit is as important as as ever. Like, are are we really at the point where – Because then you have, uh, I guess it was Rick Neuheisel coming out saying, you know, he believes Dan Mullen, you know, if he could get an NFL opportunity, which I mean, that's probably a big if anyway, uh, that that he'd be out of there, that he's tired of it. So is this one of those things? I mean, what what is like circulating behind the scenes? Is it that both sides are kind of um, at odds with each other right now? Or is it being a little bit overblown? by just a portion of the fan base that that's upset right now.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll tackle the NFL part first. I mean, last year, so you guys know as well as I do um, you don't want, if you're an athletic director, you don't want your head coach to be um, had to have less than four years left on his contract. So when Dan Mm -hmm. first got to Florida, he had a six year deal. He was finishing his third year, which means it's time to renegotiate time for an extension because we, uh, we know that they want him to be uh, have at least four years. So I think all it was is Jimmy Sexton being good at his job shoots Adam T- Adam Schefter a a text before an NFL you know Sunday countdown. Hey, Dan's interested in the NFL. Let's in, and that goes into uh, contract negotiations. Um, I would like to date Jennifer Aniston. I don't think she wants to date me. So yeah, a relationship needs both parties to to want to make it work. I don't think there is a spot for Dan in the NFL. Would he want to, as a competitor, take a crack at it in in the right scenario? Absolutely. I think, um, I I never thought Urban Meyer um, would be an NFL coach, but you give him a team that wants him, that has the number one pick and there's a franchise quarterback available at number one. Hey, this makes a lot of sense now. So do I think Dan Mullen's leaving for the NFL for this season? Absolutely not. Um, I don't think he wants to. I think he's a competitor, and, and I think he can win at Florida. Um, right now, I think the fans are mad, and Dan's kind of – because he's not good in the media, it's easy to make him a punching bag. and And, you know, I don't – not for one second on Monday when Dan said it's – we'll talk about recruiting during – we're in season. We'll talk about recruiting during recruiting season. Not for one second did I think, oh well, Dan Mullen doesn't recruit from August until you know December, or no Thanksgiving weekend after they play Florida State. That's a no recruiting time. Of course they're recruiting. Every college coach in the country is. But when you have an angry fan base and and, and his answer was so quick and dismissive of the reporter that asked it, you're going to get fans to say, well, you're ranked 35th, you're behind Purdue, you're behind Florida State. Of course you're not recruiting. Um, so I think that's kind of what it is. It's frustration boiling over and, and Dan kind of just being an easy target right now. Um, I don't think he's leaving for the NFL. I think you're going to have some big decisions to make. Um, I don't think, you know, Ty Grantham will get an extension. His contract expires this year, but even then more importantly, who do you get to replace him at defensive coordinator? And what does that mean for your defensive staff? You don't want to hire a new defensive coordinator and say, well, we just hired, a safeties coach, a cornerbacks uh, a coach. And we like our linebackers coach who was just given a, a new contract and extension before this year. So you have to figure it out with them. I think if you get a new defensive coordinator, you have to let him pick the guys he wants to work with um, on the offensive side of the ball, all the offensive coaches um, contracts are coming up, you know, Tim Brewster, um, who's historically a great recruiter, uh, Greg Knox, who's been with Dan, since he was at Mississippi state, John Hevesy and Dan have been on the same coaching staff since 2001 at Bowling green uh, and Billy Gonzalez are all on expiring contracts. So there's going to be a, a lot of tough decisions for Dan to make. And I think that's kind of what Florida fans are looking for. If they don't like the way recruiting is going and they don't view some of these guys on staff as strong recruiters, the fans want Dan Mullen to, Find guys who can coach and guys who can recruit. Because I think there's no doubt that Florida's coaches can develop. Um, but fans want you to start developing four and five stars and not three stars.
2: So, Nick, let, let's take it to the field now and, and talk a little bit about Florida on the field and what we've seen this year. You know, four and four, you kind of went through the losses earlier, a, cl- a very close one against Alabama. Um, really, all the, close, all the losses with the exception yeah. of the Georgia game from a, from a scoreline standpoint, have been close. Two points, uh, seven points, seven points to Kentucky, and then the Georgia game last week. So uh, what's been kind of the the overview, the the good and the bad of this year's Florida team? Um, what we kind of have thought coming into this game based on what we've seen, what we've heard, you know, some defensive issues have cropped up. Look at how LSU, who couldn't run the ball at all, ran it all over Florida. Um had some defensive issues offensively, just kind of a little bit of a weird uh, kind of year. We're going through some of the rushing stats, for instance, yesterday. Kind of break down what you've seen from this team in a broad sense this season.
1: Yeah, so the first two weeks, obviously with uh, with Kyle Trask and, and and Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Toney, what left, and and then when you look at the skill set of Emory Jones, I think all Florida fans knew, hey, this is going to be a different Florida offense. They're not going to throw the ball like they did. Um, the coaching staff is going to have to come with a whole new plan. And credit them, they have. You know, it's not you know the old adage, you know, trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Um, Florida came out and ran the ball. They were the nation's number one rushing attack after two weeks. And I, I cautioned fans and I said, listen, it's FAU, it's USF. Alabama's coming. Let's see if Florida can actually run the ball or if the running success they've had uh, was a product of playing non-Power 5 teams. Florida was more physical on both lines of scrimmage than Alabama. Uh, And I don't know that that's a sentence that many people can say, um, you know, many beat writers can say about their team. Florida was more physical. They ran the ball all over Alabama, outrushed them. Um, And after that game, even in a loss, I think I said, I feel better about Florida right now after losing to Alabama than I did after watching them play in the first two games. I said, Florida should be able to run on anybody. Florida's losing games because they're turning the ball over. Their punter doesn't even have enough punts on the season to register for, you know, the Ray Guy Award or or to even register in, you know, uh, the SEC punting, you know, category. Florida hasn't even tried that many field goals. They're simply turning the ball over. Um, they have more – they're tied for the most interceptions thrown all year um, of any team all year. So that's really the issue. And I'm writing about it today is that if Florida doesn't turn the ball over, the Kentucky game, they had 15 penalties, eight false starts, and it's a seven-point game. So if I'm Florida, I'm looking at that game and saying we beat ourselves. Um, the the LSU game, that was defense um, – you just couldn't stop a counter run. I think LSU ran 12 counters um, for probably a hundred something yards all in the second half. Um, The problem with Florida other than penalties and turnovers is that it just seems to be something different every week. And I've asked Dan Mullen, would you rather just have one glaring issue that you can continue working at because it's almost like you're, you're playing craps and you don't know, what number of die, you know, what number of the die is going to be when you roll it. And that's going to be the issue this week. And, and that makes it harder for the coaching staff to kind of pinpoint and fix an issue when you're having four different issues pop up each week. Um, so for Florida, the key is not turning the ball over, which they do every week. And, and obviously looking at South Carolina, that's, uh, it's been a stingy secondary. Um, I think it was an unceremonious uh, departure for Torian Gray, and Gray and he'll probably have some um added uh added gusto for this week to get his team ready to play uh his former employer.
0: Two times yeah, Torian, former employer. Yeah Torian Gray's done uh I would say a fantastic job with this South Carolina secondary. And uh, you know, I made the point in uh, the behind the enemy lines that I did for you guys, Nick, uh that uh th- this Carolina defense kind of is playing um over its head a a little bit based on what you would expect out of them just on paper um what what are are your keys to this game because i my answer to that was basically that for carolina to have any chance florida is going to have to continue that trend uh, of putting the ball on the ground of of putting the ball in danger and carolina is going to have to continue the trend Mm -hmm. of their defenders taking advantage of it because um if you just line them up and it's like an even, you know, no turnovers game and they play 10 times, like Florida is going to win this game most of the time. Uh, The only chance South Carolina is going to have is going to be that it's sort of one of those weird games where turnovers get skewed, maybe, you know, red zone gets skewed. One team scoring touchdowns, one team's team's trying to kick field goals. Um, Both teams have been pretty penalized, like Mm -hmm. haven't really played a bunch of clean games on either side. Um, but really, it, to me, it's Carolina would have to play a clean game and Florida would have to continue that trend. And and even then, I, I think Carolina would probably need uh, some type of defensive or special team score because, um, like, you know, like I told you all, the, the offense just um, has not been efficient at, at all this year.
1: Yeah, I feel like Sandra Bullock uh, in the blind side at some games. Florida's so good running the ball, and it almost seems like they're – you know, you when you have a running attack that can be as good as Florida and it's multifaceted, you have three very capable running backs that are in Naquan Wright, Malik Davis, and Damian Pierce that are doing it. You have two five-star transfers sitting behind them that can't even get it onto the field because of that. Um, And you have two different quarterbacks who lead the team in rushing. I, I put it on Twitter today. I don't know, has any SEC team ever had their two leading rushers be – the starter and backup quarterback, like that's such a weird, weird, yeah. crazy stat. Yeah. We um, talked about that
0: yesterday, by the okay. way. That I, I've how, 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 not to cut you off, man, but how, how, how does that happen? Like, is it are, are they really just calling QB runs that often, or is it coming off of quarterback reads? Or well, Anthony, we, like uh, we've never seen that before.
1: Anthony had a 70 yard touchdown run against uh FAU and then 80. Three yard touchdown run. So that's that's a lot of yards just in two. Um, Florida, there's there are some QB runs. They they haven't done enough RPO uh, in my opinion. And then again, you know we're not privy to the actual calls, so it might look like an RPO and might not actually be one. You know when we're watching the game after. Um, But also, Florida's quarterbacks were being instructed like, hey, if if," they're so good, both of them, and they're different style runners. Emory's more elusive. Anthony's obviously at 6'4", 240. Um, he can make people miss, but he has no problem lowering his, his shoulder and, and putting his helmet into somebody's chest. Um, th- they've been instructed, hey, if, if the first read's not there, if the second read's not there and you see a crease, just go. Just take it. So there's been a lot of runs that aren't designed quarterback runs where uh, you know, you'll know you see a quarterback leave the pocket pretty quickly because he sees a crease or sees a lane, lane to run. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely – uh designed runs each week in the game plan and I think it would be a disservice to your offense if you you know tried to make those two guys pocket passers but then there's times where it looks like Florida's throwing the ball just to throw it and I think you run the ball so well you just need to throw it well enough to keep defenses honest and I think they do more than that in the passing game so if we're talking about South Carolina, I would say lean on what you've done really well. And you've run the ball against everybody. I think they ran the ball, ran for more yards against Georgia than anyone since like the 2019 bowl game against Texas. Like Florida can run the football. And if you're leading the nation in interceptions, stop doing that. (laughs) Stop giving the quarterback who's turnover prone chances to turn the ball over, Um, run the football you, you've been able to do it against Georgia, Alabama, Kentucky, do it against South Carolina. Don't keep giving your quarterbacks chances to, um, you know, give give South Carolina a short field. I think, you know, um, a writer that I used to work with, uh, David Wunderlich, has – Florida's given up almost as many points off of defensive de- – their, de- their opponent's defense scoring touchdowns or their uh, offense scoring on a short field as they have – giving up long touchdown drives. So it, it's really been, this whole season has been marred and shaped by Florida's turnovers and they're not really fumbling the ball. So Sandra Bullock blindside, run the dang ball.
2: Nick with the uh, Sandra Bullock and Jennifer Aniston reference. So I, I, look to see, yeah, I look forward to seeing which other uh, actresses you, you, you bring up on our next, maybe here's another opportunity. Next question for you to work someone in. Um, you mentioned Anthony Richardson, Emory Jones. Give us an update on Anthony Richardson from his from a health standpoint. You know, do you expect him to play? Do you expect him to be limited? And if so, how could that affect you know what Florida does offensively, whether it's him or Emory Jones or even both in the game on Saturday?
1: Yeah, he wasn't able to go on Monday or Tuesday Um, dealing with the concussion protocol um, that he, you know, he suffered concussion in the third quarter, early third quarter against Georgia. Um, Never even came back out in the field. Um, He has been at practice, but hasn't participated this week. Um, So it'll be interesting. I, I don't expect that he'll be able to play at least in a full capacity, even if he is able to go. Um, I think it'll be Emory Jones. And, and then after him, uh, Jalen Kitna, from, from people I've talked to that have been in practice, Jalen Kitna is a freshman, um, son of John Kitna, former NFL quarterback with the Bengals, and I think it was the Cowboys as well. Um, he's the backup. Uh, so if, if Anthony Richardson can't go, then the two quarterback systems out the window. <laughs> it'll be just Emory Jones. If Anthony can play, um, I still think it'll be more Emory Jones as, as Anthony kind of is coming back. Now it's interesting because I wrote it and fans, fans have been calling it for much longer than I wrote it. Um, but at four and four, all the goals you've had for the year are, are done. So it's time to start playing for next year. And I wrote and said, Anthony Richardson needs to be your starting quarterback from here on out because you want him to go through that learning curve and, and get, get those growing pains out. Now you don't want those growing pains to happen. You know, when he's making his first start next year against Georgia or on the road at Texas A&M, let him have that now. It's unfortunate that Dan made the decision against Georgia and he gets hurt. Not unfortunate. Listen, Georgia, that's going to be a tough defense to play against if you're starting your 40th game. You know, it was his first start. I still think it's the right call. You'd rather him take those lumps uh, this year than than next year. Um, Just unfortunate that after almost as soon as you make the decision, to go to him to start the rest of the way that he has an injury that's going to you know potentially keep him out this week.
0: Final thing I have for you, Nick, um, I, I was curious. I, I know that um, I, I guess they canceled the, the media availabilities this week as far as players go. Um, something our fans have been asking, uh, it's kind of been a discussion on the message board. Are are you getting, and you just mentioned, obviously, some of the, the major goals for this season kind of out the window. Is, is there a sense at all whether or not, the current players are, are still dialed in as far as um, the rest of the season mattering, you know, it has some of the negativity from the fan base um, entered uh, the football facility or is it kind of still just, you know, business as usual. And the guys are, are excited to, to finish out the year on, on a positive note with, as you mentioned earlier, uh, several winnable games to,
1: to finish out the year. The, the one I was going to be looking at would be Kyrie because um, he's going to, he has a real chance to be uh, the first cornerback taken in the draft. I think it'll be probably between him and Stingley and we'll go through, you know, the underwear Olympics and and pro day and the combine and all that, but he has a real chance to be a top 15 pick in, in the upcoming draft. And I thought, Hey, if Florida goes out and plays Georgia and loses um, he's a guy that could you blame him if, if he said, Hey, I'm shutting it down. Um, he's dealing with a knee injury. Um, he's had a lingering knee injury knee injury that he sustained against Alabama that caused him to miss several weeks. A guy that if he, if he, you know, had decided to shut it down and get ready for the draft, I don't think fans would have blamed him in a season like this. He's not doing that. So if, if Kyrie Elam is sticking around, I think that kind of shows the mood in the locker room. Um, and I don't think Florida's given up. They've definitely heard um the fans a uh, Penn State grad transfer um Antonio Valentino said you know, was not going to battle with fans, but just telling fans to like, hey, we see you calling for Todd Grantham's like job and tagging us in it and what do you want us to do? like we love our coach. we think he's great. Stop this like this negativity is not helping us at all. so, I think the fans have seen the negativity uh, or or the the players have seen the negativity um, around the program, but I think they're kind of rallying each other. I think what Dan's goal was, I don't think it was like a a slapping the hand of the media um, because he didn't like the questions we were asking. I think his goal was like, listen, let's just not have to have the players focus on anything else. I think the mindset of Dan and the guys in the building are, Winning won't fix everything because uh, obviously that recruiting part that we've talked about, winning won't fix everything, but it will calm people down. Let's focus everything inside this building on just one common goal of going up to Columbia, winning a game. Florida's lost three out of four. Uh, you know, they need to, they need a win to calm fans down. Like I said, I don't know that the, the four games left on the schedule other than, you know, a rivalry game with Florida State um, on Thanksgiving weekend will really do anything to make the fans super happy. Um, but uh, but obviously a win is better than a loss. And uh, I don't know if I want to be on the message board or Twitter if South Carolina comes away with an upset this week. Um, but, yeah, I think that's kind of what has happened with the media this week is that Dan is just trying to just really focus in. Now, if he cancel it next week, you know, I might have to sign some NIL deals to get some interviews. But uh, I I, don't, I think it was just a, a one-week thing for us.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I, uh, I I was actually looking around y'all's message boards earlier this week, and uh, and I, I know how it is on on our message boards too when things are are pretty bad. So, uh, what would be an interesting time, I'm sure, on the Gator Twitter and on y'all's message board if South Carolina pulls this game out. Um, I still think I think that's a really tall task, man. I, I think it it probably goes the Gators' way, but uh, we shall see. Uh, Nick, appreciate the time man. Uh, be safe. Uh, safe travels. Let us know if you need any food Rex. We'll uh, we'll let you know where to go, man, and uh, enjoy the game on Saturday. Try to
1: stay warm, okay? I'll do my best, and I'll take any food recommendations you guys have. you just shoot shooting my way.
0: Okay, awesome, man. Appreciate you, Nick. Have a, great have a good one. Go check out Nick's work. That is GatorsTerritory.com. Uh, Chris, we had an excellent recommendation from several folks in the chat who said if Nick's feeling a little bit just uh, too chilly, in the press box on Saturday that uh, he probably needs some of these dead Soxie socks.
2: Yes. Does the gentleman know about dead Soxie? And he also mentioned the underwear Olympics as, you know, talking about the NFL combine. Nick, quite the jokester. Dead Soxie does not, Wes, have underwear. Well, they do have a socks. You can check them out at D e a d s o x y D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Wes, for Saturday, you probably don't want to be rocking the no-shows. You need something up your leg, right, under your pants. So probably more along the the lines of the boardroom dress socks. But check out their entire catalog at deadsoxy.com. That's D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. And the good news is, for listeners and watchers of GC Live, use this promo code COCKY, C-O-C-K-Y. You can get 25% off your entire order at deadsoxy.com.
0: We always appreciate Dead Soxie and all of our sponsors, uh, Clint Hammond, Dead Soxie, and our friends at Primal Gourmet, who um, is the primary sponsor anytime uh, that your chat pops up or that we have somebody on our guest line. So that's our three primary GC Live sponsors. We appreciate all of them. Um, Interesting stuff. I I can't shake this idea or this thought, Um, Chris, that... Basically, can, can South Carolina force whoever the quarterback is? It seem, seems like it's going to be Emory Jones. But bo- both sides, both both schools right now, both coaching staffs, are dealing with actually a similar situation as far as having a couple of quarterbacks, but one of them is injured. Uh, I, I've continued to check this week on the South Carolina end. I would be more surprised – uh, than I was even earlier in the week if it's not Jason Brown at quarterback for South Carolina. That's that's what everything is pointing to right now. Uh-huh. Um, you never say anything's 100%, but it's kind of, the, the way I'm sort of reading the tea leaves on who has been taking first team reps uh, and the way things have played out based on the same information basically every week um, as far as how they've done things in practice, it's probably going to be Jason Brown. If you look at the Florida side, obviously we're not dialed in to, to their reps. But I, I can't imagine a situation where you have a guy who has been a starter and has gone and played and has played a lot of ball for you and is healthy and has taken first-team reps this week um, when you're publicly telling everybody Anthony Richardson was not taking reps to start the week. It, to me, this is going to be Jason Brown versus Emory Jones as far as the two teams go. But to me it it really as comp you can make it as complicated as you want, but this game boils down to can South Carolina's defense make Emory Jones have to throw the football? Because they they will Florida will turn the football over if you force them to have to throw the football. They've proved that. South Carolina has proved they will take advantage of opportunities to pick off quarterbacks. The problem is there's a difference between a quarterback having to throw into windows in third and eight, throw into windows in the second, you know, second and 10, second and 12, versus, you know, throwing on first down when you're you're comfortable off play action. Throwing on third and three when the defense is stacking the box. Uh, Throwing off a play action where you're rolling your quarterback out and he has maybe one or two, like, basically – cite the options as opposed to reading a defense and having to put the ball in a tight window. So, to me, when I look at what Florida's done, I look at what South Carolina's done defensively. Um, Not even getting into the South Carolina offense against the Florida defense, if Florida runs the football the way they've proved that they can so far this year against this Carolina defense, it's really going to be hard for anything else on the Carolina perspective to even matter. In my opinion,
2: yeah, and and I think look, that's a concern because South Carolina's had some issues stopping the run. You know, I think we think about you know you think back to the Tennessee game and you think about some of the explosive passing plays. Well, there were some explosive runs in that game. are some explosive runs you know against multiple other teams. I have been thinking all week, Wes, about something that Sharad Golightly, former Gamecock spur, told me after the Troy game. You remember going into that game, Wes? Troy had not been running the ball at all the, throughout the season. They had really, really struggled. Um, they came into that game. Troy had some effective runs against South Carolina, and I think we all exited that game going, "Ooh, that was you know South Carolina won, but that was a little concerning." Sherrod Golightly pointed out a particular type of run that that Troy ran in that game with some success, and his quote to me was they're going to see that again when Florida comes to town. You know, it, it was a run that Florida likes to run. Well, now fast forward, we've seen that Florida, despite not running it in terms of volume a lot, they have some backs like Damian Pierce, who we talked about yesterday, who Nick mentioned today, very efficient. You know, they've got a running quarterback. I mean, this is a team that's very capable of running the football. And so I think when you look at, at the fact that this game got defense, had some struggles lately, they've struggled – uh, fitting the run, I think, on the second level at times. That is a concerning thing for them. But you're right. that That's going to be a key to the game. They are going to have to try to make Florida one-dimensional, get them in third and long. You've got to watch out for Emory Jones being able to run the football. You want to try to make him a thrower. Now, easier said than done. But if they can't do that, if Florida's lining up and running it, it's going to be you know another long day defensively, and it's going to make it Very tough on the Gamecocks offense, which is going to have to score some points on their own, you know, to win this game.
0: Yeah, do you you remember what the the run was?
2: Going to have to go back and look at it. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick in in, in my talk with Sherrod. I know know it was interesting.
0: um, Florida got gutted by LSU off that counter play. Uh, We've seen Carolina run a little bit of counter this year. A little bit surprising how little of the counter play we've seen just simply because Oklahoma, um, you know, with with Lincoln Riley, the counter I believe is a huge staple of of what they do offensively from a scheme standpoint. So, you know, I'm a little bit shocked we haven't seen a little bit more of it. I'd imagine uh, that's something we'll see some of uh, for South Carolina on their side of the ball. Um, as well, but, but Florida basically got, got gutted by the counter, um, against LSU. Georgia ran it some, um, you know, Georgia did a little bit of everything in the running game against them, but, um, that, that's something we'll definitely see on, on Saturday. Have you been able to pull it up yet, Chris?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, there's a couple different runs that we talked about in the Troy game. Let's see, or two. Yeah, there's two different runs. And they're both in in GIF format here. One of them is just a little inside zone that bounced outside. I think this particular play that that uh, Sherrod was talking about is it was a little like an outside zone play. And so basically what happened is, you know, Troy had been running inside zone for most of the game. And I think it eventually frustrated South Carolina to where the Mike linebacker shot the gap. And then they just ran a little outside zone play off of it. And I'm pretty sure that's the one that, that Sherrod was talking about. And this one was in the third quarter, um, you know, and and a first down run, you know, just pretty easy money, you know, lost contain on the edge. And I think that was the one that Sherrod pointed out Florida liked to run.
0: Yeah, I mean, dude, uh, I, I remember watching that game just thinking this is far too easy for Troy right now. To be able to run the football against South Carolina, we'll be curious to see do the backup linebackers start to get more time. Um, Clayton White was asked specifically uh, twice about that this Saturday. He said, or, or about this coming Saturday, but he was asked on Wednesday. You know, are did those guys show enough? Basically, because we talked about, it. we saw a good bit more of Mokaba. Um, he he entered the game in the second quarter, and I, I think. Just based on the way they used them, they're a little bit more comfortable with Mokaba right now as far as being a backup. We've seen him play a pretty good bit. Then you actually saw Daryl Ware come into the game prior to that, or, or after that, I should say, prior to Debo Williams. And then Debo Williams came in a, a little bit late. But uh, Clayton White did say those guys, you know, showed some things, showed enough to, to maybe get more playing time. Now, does that mean, you know, in a game let's say the game is is tight it's not a it's not a blowout does that mean they're they're getting 20 percent of the snaps or or you know what i mean or is that sort of just what a coach is gonna say type thing i I don't know we'll find out i I think that'd be something the last four games you want to see if you're a carolina fan you want to see those guys get some pt you want to see them get experience you want to see them making progress um there there's a lot you're going to need from those guys next season and not that you're playing for next season, but if you're, if you're going to build some depth there, you, you got to get those guys on the field at, at some point, Chris. And I'm not even, I'm not saying they're ready. I'm not this guy who's like beating the drum <laughs> saying, why aren't they playing? Uh, Cause clearly um, there's a lot more to linebacker than just looking the part
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, physically, you know, like those guys look the part physically, I think, but um, there's a ton more to it. That said, I do – I like the way Debo Williams just seems to disrupt things. Like, he he may not necessarily be shooting the right gap at all the, all times, but he's going to go blow somebody up, it seems like.
2: Yeah, Mo Kaba, a kid that, you know, has tremendous physical ability. You look at his high school film, and I think his biggest thing was, one of his biggest things, you know, and it, he's missed a lot of time. You know, he, he tore his ACL – in high school. And so it has taken him a while to get back to that, to where basically, you know, you miss a year um, in, in terms of your recovery time um, and, and time away from football and, and time getting acclimated to college. And so he's still a young player. So is Debo Williams. Um, that, that to me was another interesting thing. Exactly what you said out of Clayton White's press conference. I had the same takeaway, the same question is, okay, do those extra snaps, will they come a, and, B, when do they come? You know, um, we saw several games in a row where Damani Staley played almost – or he did play every snap, and Brad Johnson wasn't far behind. Those guys, even in games that were out of hand, Wes, you know, I mean, still that was the case. We saw a much earlier insertion point for some of those guys like Mo Caba, Debo Williams, Dareware, in the AM game that we know that this staff – doesn't want to just play two guys at linebacker. That's not an ideal situation for anybody. So have they made enough progress to where they're going to get some playing time in, you know, a, a more tight game situation? I think it's very interesting, you know, very interesting question. And I think those guys could certainly help this team if they continue coming along.
0: Yeah, no doubt. We'll find out on Saturday. We've got one more day uh, before we get there as well. We'll talk tomorrow um, with our final preview of South Carolina versus Florida. Um, that's all I got for today, Chris. You got you got anything additional? You good?
2: Nah, man. Uh, I'm good for today. Appreciate everybody joining in today. Appreciate Nick De La Torre. And looking forward to tomorrow, final preview day before Florida comes to town.
0: Yeah, appreciate all of you joining, supporting, all that stuff. Appreciate Clint Hammond. Appreciate Dead Soxy. Appreciate Primal Gourmet. Uh, be sure to like, review, subscribe. Click all the buttons, uh, whatever platform you're looking on. Um, subscribe to our YouTube. Hit the little bell button so that you get a notification. Whenever we go live, um, we're going to continue to expand our video operation on GamecockCentral.com. And uh, appreciate all of you. Uh, Joey, appreciate the kind words, man. Best Gamecock stream. We only had to pay him $50 to say that. So, uh, appreciate you, Joey. For Chris, I'm Wes. See you all on Friday.
1: Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep. Where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at mattressfirm.com today.